So just for a second, look at me, you know. Okay, now, does anybody see the optical illusion? Halo. Halo. <laughs> Good, that's it. No, if you look at my chasuble, it's actually rose-colored. It is rose-colored. Now, don't deny it. It's rose-colored because today is Gaudete Sunday. And traditionally, we wear rose-colored vestments. We have the rose-colored candle lit. It's uh, the third Sunday every year of Advent, kind of the middle of Advent. And it's Gaudete Sunday, which means rejoice. So even though the readings in Advent tend to be very serious, and they are, despite that, we're always supposed to be rejoicing. Always. Always. No matter what the situation is. And Paul puts it very well, very clearly. In fact, um, anybody bring their notebooks so you can write this down? Okay, write it down. But Paul says in his reading today, Rejoice always, pray unceasingly, in all circumstances give thanks, because that is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Now, boy, that's challenging, those three things. So, rejoice always, pray unceasingly, in all circumstances, whether we feel like it or not, give thanks because that is God's will for us. That's what God wants us to do. So on this Gaudete Sunday, we're getting this reminder because no matter what's going on, no matter what season we're in, whether it's Advent or Christmas, uh, ordinary time or Lent or Easter, we're always supposed to be rejoicing. And the reason is, and again, it's in our readings today, God says he's going to do something, and he does it. He fulfills his promises. We may not. We may not. But we're rejoicing in God because of what he has done. So last week I talked about various old Testaments or covenants. Word may, means the same thing. And I just mentioned four last week. I mentioned uh, the Noachic, the, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with Moses, and the covenant with David. And there are others in the Old Testament, but I think those are really the four uh, ones that really stand out. So God made covenants with these people and with all the people to say, I promise you this, you have to promise that. And as we know, that the people did not fulfill those covenants. Uh, and they really weren't capable of it, really. You know, uh, many uh, very holy people worked at it, but as a whole, as a community of believers, they did not fulfill the covenant. So when we get to the New Covenant, or the New Testament, which is Jesus, it is fulfilled, regardless of what people do. It is coming to pass, regardless of what we do. So, there's no question that in this final covenant, what God promises will not come about. It will come about. It's already coming about. I mentioned the first part of the covenant, really a down payment, is the birth of Jesus. 
the incarnation. That's the beginning of his covenantal work to become one with us because ordinary human beings couldn't do it. So God himself took on our human flesh and walked with us and taught us, fed us, and did all these wonderful things for us to say, hey, I'm going to show you how you can fulfill the covenant. And then at Easter time, we uh, celebrate the, the earthly conclusion of the New Testament or New Covenant with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus, from the incarnation to his death and resurrection, is the fulfillment of the covenant, and the covenant is fulfilled. So we don't have to worry about it. I mean, that's really good news, because if God kept making covenants with us, you know, picked out a leader every once in a while and said, this is what I want you to do, so forth and so on, we could be sure, just look at the world, what's going on, we could be sure that we would fail in fulfilling the covenant. But Jesus fulfilled it himself. He became the perfect sacrifice. He became the perfect leader. He is God. There is no greater one. So in Advent, we celebrate the coming of Jesus in the flesh at Christmas time and prepare for it so that we can more perfectly live the covenant. And the thing about the covenant is we can live it. We can do what we're supposed to do. Let me put it bluntly. Because of Jesus, we never have to sin. Do you know that? We do not have to sin. Now, I know many people, we think, well, I'm a sinner, I'm going to sin. No, we don't have to. Because Jesus, through his death and resurrection, took the sting, took the power of temptation, of sin and death, and got rid of it. Now, it may not seem that way, because we're still in the flesh and we're still working on, you know, following the covenant, covenant, but that's what Jesus did for us. That's what God did for us. So that, literally, we don't have to be sinners. We can be the holy people that Peter talked about last week. Remember, he said, be holy so that we hasten the coming of the Lord at the end of time. So that's, that's going to be the final curtain, so to speak. When God comes and takes care of everything, gets rid of all violence, wipes away everybody's tear, no suffering, there will be real justice. That's what we're praying for now, and that will happen. But right now we're living in this new and perfect covenant. Again, it's difficult to, well, it, it shouldn't be difficult to see it because we have faith. We have the eyes of faith. And so, at least up here, at least up here, we can say, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I believe that Jesus did fulfill God's promises and I'm living in his victory. I don't have to sin. I can be the holy, holy person he created me to be and so forth and so on. So, uh, Advent helps us to remember those great gifts that God has given us. So Advent, again, even though we are saying, we are praying, come Lord Jesus, come now. And hopefully that's what we want and we're praying for it. But we're also backing up our words by living holy lives. Now we can go back to Paul. 
Uh, how do we do that? Well, again, he gives us three things to do. To rejoice always. So here, um, there's a heavy rain and your basement is flooded. The pump isn't working. Rejoice! <laughs> Hallelujah! Rejoice! You know, that's counterintuitive, right? But with the mind of faith, we can say, oh, here it is again. Thanks, Lord. Rejoice! And pray unceasingly. Well, how am I supposed to do that? Well, it's really an attitude that if we practice it and work on it, and I think we all do that already, you know, through the day. Off and on, we're thinking, oh, Lord, uh, pray for my friend. Uh, he's sick. Or, Lord, I have a big meeting. You know, we kind of automatically, hopefully, as Christians, are praying constantly. And even when we're asleep, you know, our, our brain is working and we may not know exactly what's going on, or maybe we have some really great dreams about being with the Lord. But anyway, through God's help, we can pray unceasingly. And then the last part, in all circumstances, give thanks because that is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did that. Even when he had to deal with his apostles, when he was suffering, he still was praising God, thanking his Father. But in all circumstances, so I go to the doctor, the doctor says, well, you got terminal cancer. Now we could say, oh no, oh, or we can say, again, it's not a feeling, it's an act of the will. Thank you, God. Thank you. Which is simply an admission that God has all the power, he loves me far more than I can love myself, and he will be with me no matter what happens. And that, of course, is where the community comes in. Because it's not just me and God. It's me and God and everyone else in the, in the community of believers. So we're all supposed to be supporting one another so that no matter what happens, we can say, thank you, Lord. And the more we say thank you, the more we really free ourselves up of our let's say, uh, ways of looking at things, the lenses that we, we look at, uh, we look through, or the blinders we have on. You know, thanksgiving, uh, giving thanks is a way of exercising our desire for God. That's what Augustine says prayer is. It's an exercise of our desire. So the more we desire God, the more we can say thank you, the more strength we get, the more courage we get, so that even in the face of whatever is happening, we can say thank you. So really, when we do that, and, and, and you know, we're all in process. God knows where we are in our journey. God is patient. But personally, I think we need to ratchet up those things a little bit so that when we go out into the world, people are going to see us thanking God. They're going to see a little joy in our faces. We can even say that something terrible is happening, but I trust the Lord, I praise the Lord, I am thankful for it. And if we show that, that gratitude to God in all circumstances, people are going to notice it. They want, they'll want to know why. Now, fortunately, as a priest, I have been very blessed to accompany people through a diagnosis of terminal cancer or whatever and their deaths. And 
I, I, I'm always kind of like, you're so calm. You're so peaceful. You're not worried. You know, I'm thinking, I'm projecting, of course. I'd be worried. I'd be, com I'd be complaining to God. I'd complain. But these people didn't. They were so at peace. You could, you could feel it because their faith was in Jesus Christ. It wasn't in doctors. It wasn't in themselves. It wasn't in others. But they were part of a practicing Christian community who loved them and prayed for them and with them. And that's what we are called to be. So we lack nothing, and again, the, the saints say this, we lack nothing that we need in order to be not just faithful in kind of an ordinary way, but to be faithful in a spectacular way, a very courageous way, a, a, a way of doing our faith that people will see and want to know more about. But that's the power of God. So it goes back to the covenant the covenant that Jesus has achieved for us, it's already done, it is fulfilled, and all we have to do is to follow day by day uh, in the footsteps of Jesus. So unlike Moses, who had a lot of hard work to do with the Israelites and didn't get to go into the promised land and didn't see the fulfillment of the covenant, we have seen it. We've seen the fulfillment of the covenant. Covenant, We're experiencing it. And so there again, we need to tell stories to one another of how we are seeing God fulfilling the covenant in our lives so that we can share it with other people. So, uh, hard to believe next weekend will be the fourth Sunday and Christmas Eve all in one day. But again, it's part of our Christian remembering that is so important so we don't forget in the midst of life's trials and tribulations or when we're looking at the newspaper, we don't forget that God's already won the victory. Now, there's battles that are fought and lost or won, but the, the victory, the main war, it's done. It is over with. And we have to take that flag out into the public and wave it and say to other people, God took care of it all. So join us in rejoicing always. Join us in praying unceasingly. Join us in all circumstances giving thanks because that is God's will for us in Jesus Christ. Now, it's very simple, and I, again, I want to reiterate. Don't think of this as a feeling type thing. That's how we get trapped. Well, I don't feel like thanking. Doesn't matter. I know, because this is where my intelligence comes in, I can still thank God because I believe, I know God is good and loving to me. And so I can say thank you. And the more we say thank you, the more we open up to even more of the treasures that God wants to shower on each of us. So, again, as we go forth to continue our Advent journey, preparing for the beginning of the fulfillment of the covenant, the great covenant with Jesus in Christmas, let's practice some of those things. Practice uh, unceasingly praying, whatever. Think of people who need our prayers. Uh, rejoicing. Oh, it's raining. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord. And it is. We couldn't live without the rain, but we think it's a nuisance, right? 
And then, of course, even more importantly, give thanks in all circumstances. And that's what we're doing right now in the Eucharist. The Eucharist means thanksgiving. We're literally saying, thank you, Lord, for suffering. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross. We're saying that. There's power in that. And that power keeps getting unleashed the more we believe it and we practice it. So again, let's practice some of those things this week so that when we get to Christmas, we will be ready to really, you know, put on some joy, put on some rejoicing so that not only we will be pulled more and more into this great covenant with the Lord, but we'll be pulling other people into it because that's our obligation. That's our job. Pull other people into what we know to be true so that they too can be free to rejoice always, pray unceasingly, and always give thanks in all circumstances, because that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father.